you know, I have my tribe. It's like you find your group of people and like I work with them on what's happening in my life. My service, whereas like I might used to take a lot of people through the steps. Now it's like showing up for people to help them move, answering the phone when I don't want to, calling my mom <laughs> to see how she's doing, helping my sister get a car, not to pay for it, but go, right. you know, teach her how to do what I know how to do. So doing things that I don't necessarily want to do, like there's this huge part of my sobriety that is service, staying in tune with that in a way that evolves. Welcome to the Clearheaded Podcast, your guide to sober care. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you're on your way to work or you're ready to wind down for the night. Whatever the case may be, I'm really happy to be here with you. All of these episodes drop in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their sobriety. Before we get started on this conversation, I want to ground each other with a little bit of breath work. Let's start by taking a big, deep breath in and out. Okay, let's get clear-headed. Aaron, hi. Hello. Aaron, <laughs> so dramatic. I know, Sarah's back in studio with us. She's off camera behind monitoring our sound. Uh, we have Aaron here who I'm like really excited to get to know your story more because I know you, we know each other and on a friendship level. You were friends with Sarah for a long time, still are. Had seen Sarah through her ebbs and flows of sobriety. <laughs> He's laughing because <laughs> there was so many levels to it and he was kind of there for all of them. All so, of them. It was a wild ride. It was. <laughs> and I feel like through her wild ride, you were pretty mellow. Like in your ride, you've been pretty linear, which yeah. is... I mean, maybe it's rare, maybe it's not. I don't know. Our biggest thing is that sobriety isn't linear for everyone and just to be graceful with that if that is your journey. But I'll start with the question I ask every guest, which is if you can go back to the time where you realized that alcohol wasn't serving you anymore, what was that like? Well, I got sober when I was 17. So that was 13 years ago, which is crazy to say out loud. It's so funny when you first get sober, you like count the days and now yeah. it's like I probably in the thousands. I have no idea. Yeah. But that moment for me was it, it happened over a period of time, I guess. I got sent to rehab by my parents and I didn't really have a choice in the matter at first. Um, and I had no intention of staying sober for as long as I did. And I did not see my life when I if, when I got sent to rehab. I did not see my life ending up how it is now. I was very much a fuck up. I don't know how else <laughs> to say that. I did not do well in school. I did not graduate high school. I hung out with the bad kids. I was a menace to my parents and really anyone that was around me. And a large part of that when you don't fit in is like finding, I don't know, I guess a way to cope. And I wasn't thinking about it like that when I was that young. But, yeah, you know, when I was 13, 14, 15, it was like smoking, drinking, taking any pill I could find just to feel some sense of like ease, I guess, because yeah. I felt like I was just battling everyone all the time. Yeah. When you don't fit in in school, you don't fit in with you know, your family, it's like, fuck, like I need a break or something. You know what totally. I mean? It's like, I need some way out. And that's just where I found it. So I guess my moment, I and it's weird. I've always been in tune with myself in a way that I'm like really grateful for. And I've always, I always knew that it wasn't going to work out. Like I knew that like I could see the trajectory of my life. And like, I knew when I was like, you know, 15, 16, I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I got to figure something. Like I wasn't big enough to face it then, but I knew that like what I was doing was not going to, you know, it's, I was not going to end up where I am now. You know, I, I'd never envisioned like the life I'm living. And so there was like this glimpse when I was like, you know, younger of like, okay, well, maybe I need to like figure something out. And then when I got sent to rehab, there was this moment 
it was like a true moment of clarity. Like I was sitting, I was going to meetings and I was sitting outside of a meeting and I had this like moment where I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like I was like, I have this opportunity to like reset and recenter and like give myself a chance at life. Like because before I felt like, why does it matter? Like who cares? I'm not going to, I'm already this far behind. I felt like, like what's mm -hmm. the point? And yeah. I had this opportunity to like reset and that was sobriety. And from that moment on, it was like, I was just open-minded. It wasn't like I was completely sold. I, I didn't make a decision that I was going to be sober for the rest of my life, but it was like, okay, what I'm doing isn't working at all. Like, it's horrible and I hate my life. So like, why not try something else? And that was kind of the spark. I think that that's awesome because there's so many things that you just said. First, I understand what you mean by just wanting to fit in. I think everybody... I'm sure if you took it back to everybody's story, especially with alcohol in our society, maybe get started because of a sense to fit in. And then you try to fit in so much, you end up not fitting in and being left out because now it's tailspin and now you are sad and nothing's going the way you want it to. And you're actually removed from the group that you wanted to be in with. So I think it's just amazing that you were so young and you understood that. Granted, you're probably sitting here now after years and years of reflecting and being able to like articulate yeah, it in that way. Sure. I had no idea. Right? Yeah. But like you weren't like 17, like, oh, all of these, all of these well thought out understandings of myself. But the other part that you said is that you realized that if you just opened your mind a little bit and tried something that wasn't what you were doing maybe it would result in something better. And I think dosing it in that way is so important because it feels really overwhelming. Totally. To think that the rest of your life is gonna be spent completely different than where you are now. Yeah. Especially because like, I think for me, and I'm curious if you too, like now that you've lived this completely different way of life, for me, I was in such a comfort zone of like repetition, staying redundant. It's like coping. Yeah. And then you take away that coping and you have to kind of learn other ways of being comfortable in that new life. Because you went to rehabilit like a rehabilitation center that probably gave you a bunch of tools totally. that people like don't normally get. Like what, how did you start to cope in a different way? So I took it, it's very much like one step at a time. Like when I, and I try and take this throughout my life, like I try to stay out of the results of whatever I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's like, I could have a goal in mind. So for me, it was like, I just wanted to find a way to be happy, right? Where I was like totally, I was always either angry or unhappy or unsettled. And it was just like, if what I'm doing clearly isn't working and I can, th it's, it still relates to this day. It's like, if I keep hitting my head against the wall for some problem that I'm having in my life, it's like clearly something I'm doing isn't working. Let me go find someone. And this is some. this is what I learned just through my recovery is like, I need to find someone that's dealt with something like this and ask them for help or just advice on like what they did and what their experience was. Because clearly what I'm doing isn't, it's not the way. So I, and that's just been reinforced throughout my life is that like my best thinking lands me in very precarious and <laughs> sometimes not the best situation. So it's like constantly asking for help and seeking guidance. And now it's just like part of my life where like I have, you know, a group of people that I just bounce ideas off of. And it's like, it takes time to build your little tribe or community, you know, but in terms of like coping, it's, it's more of just like talking to people, understanding that like there might not be one right answer and that I might have to try a few different things and that it's all good. It's like, I know that I'm going to be I have just this like baseline of like, I'm going to be taken care of 
I have a very strong belief that like I'm exactly where I need to be at all points in my life. And that's not like a, you know, God is like everything planned out for me, but it's more of like a, it's been proven to me just throughout my life that like if I'm staying out of the results, staying out of my own way, you know, being honest with people, talking about what's happening in my life, that like I'm going to find a way through. So relevant to like everything in life. The results are what breed this disappointment. When you don't get the result, then you're like, oh, I didn't do it. Like with, you know, recovery for so long. For me, I was like, I'm going to try 30 days. And I focused on that number 30 days. And I'd get to day three and I'd realize it was day three and it wasn't 30. And I'd throw in the towel because I didn't want to face the 27. So removing that result mentality is so important. And I also feel like what you're saying to me, I hear that you've like developed a trust in yourself. And I think having trust in yourself is really what allows you to know that like you can stumble, you can fall, you can scrape your freaking knee, you can break your leg, literally, and you'll still recover and heal and trusting that you have the ability and the tools and the capability to recover in any facet that you fall in, not just in sobriety, but like in business, in friendships, in relationships. But that trust takes time to build. Totally. What was it like when you were first... Because you were also so young. Yeah, like I, I really think of seventeen-year-old me and how. Well, I grew up hard really fast. I was like four. It's such a weird. I, have, I feel like I have such a not that like I'm a crazy, unique, weird person, but I've just had like a unique experience, especially like growing up in LA and like yeah. not drinking and like everyone around you's drinking and I don't know. It's like it goes back to like the results thing. And it's like yeah, like I don't want to set like let's say it's like the thirty-day goal, right? And it's like fuck, I'm on day three, but then you get to day thirty and it's like fuck, I still feel like shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So it's for me, it was okay, like. Another example, like this is just a random story. Uh, when I was 17, 18, I like loved coffee. It was like something that I like attached to. And like I loved fancy coffee. And I thought that like my life, I would be like a coffee guy. Like that was like my goal was to like roast coffee, not just like brew it, but like actually make it. So I got a job at Stumptown. Basically, I was driving around LA in a van delivering coffee places in hopes that like I could be an apprentice to like the coffee roaster guy. <laughs> Long story short, I get that. I do it for a year or two and I'm like, fuck, this sucks. Yeah. So it was like realizing that like I can have this goal or like I, I just there's so many points in my life where I'm like, if I get this, I'll be happy. If right. I do this, I'll be happy. And then you get it. You do the hard work. And time after time, it's like, well, maybe that's not it. And I quit. And like, you know, I'm doing other things now. But it was like and I could tell you other stories and like very similar things happening. But it's like staying out of the results and like it's important to achieve things, right? It's important to get your 30 days or 60 days or 90 days or whatever you're counting for, right? Because it's important to show yourself that you can do things. For me, it's just realizing like my best thinking, thinking that I know like if I get this, I'll be happy time and time again. It's like I'm happy doing the work. Right. It's a tethering. It's yeah. a tethering of the happiness is going to be gained when I get this yeah. or when I see that or when I achieve this. But really, it's like the the goal and the mission if you had to put a resolution to aim for, it's just the happiness. Yeah. It's not the when you get it to get happiness. It's just to seek out that happiness or just to seek out that confidence or validation or peace. Yeah. Zooming it out even. Yeah, it sounds like you do have a unique story. <laughs> I mean, everybody's story yeah, is unique, yeah. you know, but yeah. so since you've had such a linear journey, have you had a linear journey? Um. I mean, there were definitely ups and, it, you know, it's, 
it's been so long. It's such a trip. You know, it's like I can think back at being like 18, 19. And like I still and I also I'll go back to saying like, I don't know if I'm gonna be sober the rest of my life. Like right. I don't think about it like I'm gonna be sober forever. Like of I think about it. And this is where it's like it was really basic for me and the fact that like I'm gonna do what I think is gonna bring happiness and joy into my life. Yeah. And I found that like not drinking does that. And I yeah. haven't been shown a reason why drinking or doing drugs is going to bring that back for me. So like linear, it's like, I mean, I've been laid off. I mean, there's, you know, it's just like life happens, right? Yeah. But like, I don't, my lows are not as low as they used to be. Yeah. You know, there's no thought. Like there were definitely, when I was 15, 16, there's thoughts of suicide. I mean, it's like, it's, it, you. I hated my fucking life. And like, I'm not saying that the minute I got sober, it was all better, but it was like the more work I've put into myself and that's, you know, I got sober in AA and like, I know AA is not for everyone, but it like really worked for me. And like the minute I like decided to turn my life over to like a higher power, which I'm, I'm not like religious by any means, but like, I do have a very strong belief that like, there's something bigger yeah. in the world. I really decided that like, Hey, if I believe in this, that like, I'm going to be okay. Like yeah. no matter what, when I talk about linear, it's like, yes, there's ups and downs, but I made a decision and I live by that, that like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. As long as I'm, you know, being honest and taking the right indicated action and yeah. not fucking people over, <laughs> like not being shady, totally. like I'm going to be good. It's been linear, but it's. Emotionally been, ups and downs. Exactly. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. I totally. mean, I think that's a fair point to point out. Just because you have stayed sober this whole time doesn't mean there haven't been triggers or trials or tribulations totally. and you haven't had to overcome different viewpoints or temptations. And I mean, when you go through 13 years of it, I mean, you go through 13 years of taking alcohol out of it. Yeah. You say, I'm not eating cake for 13 totally. years of your life. You know how many birthday parties you got to go to and weddings where there's cake involved and you have to, oh, that's a new kind of cake. And do I want to try that kind of cake? Well, I've never had that kind of cake. I mean, there's so many things that are just going to come up. And I think it's good to note that like even in a linear journey, there's still an ebb and flow and you're going to have to adjust emotionally yeah. as you stay on a, quote, straight path. Yeah. What I find is so interesting about everything you're saying is I notice this like two tone where for you, you've had you had to look inside and really focus on what made you happy keeping it to yourself and doing it strictly for you mm -hmm. and then there's this other side of it where it's like not not focusing on yourself and being open to ha letting other people guide you mm -hmm. which i think can be a hard thing to balance totally you know so often people who get sober stay sober have a challenge with kind of the naysayers of like you're self-involved or you're focusing too much on yourself yeah i mean i've come i've come up to that for sure with family members not liking what focusing totally. on myself so much like how do what's advice for balancing that for instance it's like a huge part of my recovery and my sobriety is like service to others and that yeah. like there's this saying when you know you're thinking like when i'm thinking about you it's a lot easier being me right and that doesn't mean that i need to be codependent with people and be walked over but a huge part of the program a huge part of AA is service right and that's in my life it's funny you go to meetings and it's like services making coffee or mm -hmm. putting chairs away or mm -hmm. like whatever chores they have you doing there you'll find that like and i'm not i love aa but you'll see that people are like really good at doing aa and they're really good at like being of service in these meetings mm -hmm. 
But then when you go out in the real world, they're like shitty to their fucking partners. Right. Or they're showing up late to work. Right. X, Y, or Z. For me, it's like I had to learn how to take what I learned in my recovery and like bringing that to the rest of the world. And that means first I need to be okay. Yeah. I need to be okay with myself. But then like what Sarah was talking about earlier, I watched Sarah and her ups and downs, but at no point was I like, you need to get sober. Right. Because I know that it has to be a decision that you have to make and that for me, it's like as simple as what I'm doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy. And until I can really like say like, I cannot stop drinking. I am powerless over this or like I have no choice in the say of this matter. Like mm -hmm. that's when, but it, and again, like to go back to your point, like in the beginning of someone's sobriety, like you have to be a certain, a certain point of it is selfish. I'm doing this for myself. Mm -hmm. I have to figure this out. I'm going to be trying everything that I can. If that means I have to cut off relationships or, you know, X, Y, or Z, it's like, yes, you need to make those decisions. I don't know if that really answers your question, no, it but does. it's like. I mean, it, it's, I think the point that I was trying to get at is that your story is an example of being selfish at times and being selfless in others. And it's really important to try to navigate the two. And there are points in your recovery and your journey where both are helpful. It's yeah. really important to focus on yourself and be and look inward. And it's equally as important to set your ego aside and your self-centeredness and listen to other people yeah. and, and help other people. What we talked about with Sarah was, I, I don't think we recorded it, but just because this is a great pivot to yeah. your relationship with Sarah and your friendship with Sarah, where she wasn't sober. I wouldn't qualify her as like managing it well. No, you I was know? a party girl. She was a party I helped girl. Sarah glue her heel back on at my house when she had drank in a bottle of wine by herself. Oh. And fell and down the stairs. Fell down the stairs. <laughs> they missed a step. Fell down the stairs. Oh, I think it was my birthday too. It was. Oh Heel came off and I was like, hell no, I'm not stopping drinking. And, num and number two, can't do you have super glue? Yes. I'm still going out tonight. I'm still going to the bar. Wow. And Aaron was with me through all of those. And like he knew, you know, yeah. this this might not be the most sustainable relationship with alcohol, but never once did he shame me or make me feel like what I was doing was wrong or tell me that I had a problem. He really just let me come to that realization on my own and then was like a rock for me. Like in all of the times that I was questioning it or I would hit him up and be like, hey, can I go to a meeting with you? And, and then a week later I was drinking again, but it was never like he never wrote me off. He was always just sort of there for me and was like, hey, when when you need me, I'm here, basically. And that was so important to me. That was really, really helpful in my sobriety journey because I never I, I really felt like no one else was like that for me. Yeah. Everyone else that I knew who was in the program was like, if you can't take this seriously, I can't be associated with you. And that was just awful because it was like when I needed them the most, they weren't there. I yeah. think there's two sides to that, because I do think that what we were just talking about, you do have to be selfish in your recovery and for yeah. those people it might have been incredibly valid that that might have been too triggering for them totally, and totally. You could, not a healthy yeah. relationship and i think that that's important to note that 100%. it's okay if you have to do that yeah. absolutely and i but think I, I have to do that currently in my life you know right. i have some people who have hit me up too many times where i feel like i actually can't help them yeah. because they haven't really made the decision themselves and that's like important for you to kind of figure out on your own, but I am very, very thankful that I did have 
one person in my life who was like, you know, didn't say I can't do do this with you. And it was it was really helpful for me to have someone who was like, yeah, because at the same time, it's like I'm not going out of my way to like. I'm not breaking my back to help Sarah get sober. Right. I've learned that like, you know, you always have a chair open and that if she needs a ride to a meeting or she needed help with something like I'm there, but there's a line, right? How do we dictate that line? Um, I think it's something you learn over time, right? I know when I'm being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. At least I think I know. Yeah, I keep it super simple, right? If someone wants to go to a meeting or if someone needs help and it's something that like, I feel like I can help them with in an appropriate manner, it's like, it's a no brainer. Right. Yeah. Helping someone move. I don't need to be paid. I have a truck. I'm not doing anything on Saturday. I can help you. Right. But hey, can I borrow your truck to go to San Diego to pick up my girlfriend? Because I don't want to fucking buy a train. T- you know, it's like, no. Right. That's a no. I don't know. It's a fine line. It definitely is a fine line. And like going back to what Sarah said, there would be a point where if like I saw Sarah was ODing, had mm-hmm. multiple DUIs, I'd be like, yo, you might have a problem. Right. But like, yeah, I knew where Sarah was. I knew that it was already on her mind. Like I knew that she knew that she had a problem. Right. Yeah. And that for me is like, I've never seen anyone get sober being fucking pulled in by a rope, right? Yeah. Like, it never works. No. I knew that it was there for her and that like, I just needed to be there when she needed me. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, people don't get sober until it's their decision, until they choose that it's time. And sure, you can give a little pep talks and like try and help them. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's their decision. Yeah. I, I mean, it's important to hear for anybody who's out there wavering in it, like yeah. you you have to choose. Nobody can, you can listen to all of these episodes to inspire you and you can watch all of these shows that reflect, you know, the the possibilities of the outcome of getting sober. But there is something in you that has to click and totally. that click will be enough fuel to get you to the meeting or to get you to pour out the alcohol and it will happen. Yeah. It will. Or just to reach out to someone and it's like, it's never, it's, again, it's not always linear. I mean, Sarah would be sober for a month and then she wouldn't be. And totally. you know, it's like, who knows? I hope you stay sober forever, but she could not stay sober forever. And like, that's just part of the journey. It's same right. for me. It's like, I could be drinking in a month. Who the fuck knows? But right. it's like, it's a journey, right? It's not a destination. We're not here to be, you're not sober and then you're sober forever. It's like, you know, it's I know I, yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that I'm like, that dude's never going to get it. Like there's my buddy Hassan who was in and out of jail forever. I mean, just like a fucking crazy, like manic, thugged out dude that was just like, this guy, it's just never going to work. And then it clicked and it was like, he's in jail, like going to meetings. And it wasn't like something had drastically changed. It just finally clicked for him, you yeah. know? And it's like, he did the work. It's not just, it, it can click, but you also like, there is no change without action, right? So totally. it's like until I'm doing things to like actively make my life better, whether that's praying, whether that's meditating, whether that's helping someone else, whether, you know, there's a million things you can do to make, to like improve your quality of life. But until yeah. you, it, actions change things. Yeah. I can think I want to be sober for as long as I want. Yeah. But until I start taking action to do that, it's like. Totally. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, that's Sarah and I's journey for sure. I mean, as we are coming you know, I've been like sober for a year and eight months or something. Like the, it gets longer and longer yeah. every day. And the things that I need in order to feel secure in my sobriety change and evolve. Totally. Just like you do in your personal life and your of sense course. of humor and your freaking style. It's the same thing. It changes and evolves. How has your toolkit, your guide, your mm-hmm. things that make you feel secure in your sobriety evolved if you can look at 
when you first got sober yeah. and then today? What do you do well, when differently? When I first got sober, I was like very heavily involved in recovery. Yeah. Going to meetings, going to the 12 steps, not hanging out with people that, did, that drank, not going out, living with people that were sober. Like my yeah. whole life was like AA. Like I was in love. Not in love, but it was, it was like what I needed. It was yeah. like I needed a, like an immersion. Like yes. I couldn't, like I was so young and there was no one my high school was like, no one was like that. So it was like, I had to have my tribe and my connection Yeah. through the years. I mean, now it's like, I go to, a, I go to a meeting a week, you know, I have my tribe. It's like, you find your group of people and like, I work with them on what's happening in my life. My service, whereas like, I might used to take a lot of people through the steps. Now it's like showing up for people to help them move, answering the phone when I don't want to, calling my mom <laughs> to see how she's doing helping my sister get a car, not to pay for it, but go, right. you know, teach her how to do what I know how to do. So doing things that I don't necessarily want to do, like there's this huge part of my sobriety that is service, staying in tune with that in a way that evolves. But as far as what I need, like the thought of a drink or doing drugs is like so far removed from my reality. that Totally. Uh, you know. Yeah. Aaron loves sweet treats. I do. <gasps> so do we. <laughs> so do we. That's like kind of learned that trick from Aaron. Yeah. Just have candy Desserts. chocolate what like treat yourself uh, go get ice cream get a cupcake at least once a week i mean we, we're trying to lose weight now but for the first like year we'd have donuts every week like uh, on a friday or saturday night we'd have dk's delivered or like uh, sometimes ice cream. you just need that little sweet yeah, treat it's like a little you need joy to get in by. your life you know i did an interview with beth bowen who's the host of sober stories and she gave such a good quote where she said my motto is a cookie is better than a glass of wine for sure and just to think about it that way. Yeah. Like if you go and grab a treat when you're feeling like, oh, I need a treat yep. and rewiring yeah. it and refocusing it. And and I mean, it does like 13 years. Yeah, it becomes less forefront yeah. and more like the benefits of being a sober person, being present yeah. and being able to show that presentness to people through many different areas of your life, wherever you can. For sure. I mean, I don't go to bars. I don't, I still don't do that kind of stuff. When I was single, I would go out and try and have fun that way. But it was never, I was like never connected to that after right. I decided to stop. There's a saying, you know, you hang out in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get your hair cut. <laughs> so like, I know, right. I know how to keep myself maintained in a way that I don't have to think about it every day. Right. When I first got sober, it was every day. Like, right. okay, that's what they call it one day at a time. It was right. like every day was, okay, I need to get to tomorrow. It's 8 p.m. I'm going to go to bed in two hours. I'll have a bubbly, whatever yeah. you got to do. Right. You know, but then as you were saying, it's like it changes over time. So for me, it, my maintenance is much, much, much easier now. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to have known you for the time that I have and am looking forward to continuing to evolve, change and be sober friends as yeah. or one day at a time, I guess. Today, we're all sober friends. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we're all sober friends. And I appreciate everything you do and have done. And, and we know who to hit up. When we are moving. Yeah. <laughs> now we or need a truck. <laughs> and don't even think about not answering our yeah. call. Oh, oh yeah. You better pick up that phone. Because we'll guilt you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for talking yeah, with thanks me. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Do you want to enhance your sober care routine? Head to clearheaded.co for tips, tricks, tools, and more on this episode. And if you're someone who likes to watch podcasts, we are on YouTube. Clear-Headed Podcast is sponsored by Free Spirits. Head to drinkfreespirits.com and use code CLEARHEADED20 for 20% off your first order. 
This episode was recorded at the Wave Podcasting Studios and produced by Alexis Archuleta. All the music used was created by Honeydew. Oh yeah, we have a Spotify playlist too. Uh, there's a lot to check out. Anyways, see you next week. <laughs>